Okay, so let's do a little bit of review. Well, lots of review time today, right? Yes. Freedom. Okay. And like the. What kind, What type of freedom have we been talking about? Like religious freedom. Okay, that's one of our main focuses, right? And like I don't know, part of it was like personal freedom, like individual freedom, kind of. Okay, individual freedom, yep. Yeah. And the Christian Where do you get those things from? Why do you why do you believe or you don't have to, but why why do we say you should believe that you have these? Um, because that you should have those. Like why do you believe that we should have them? Yeah. So that we Why do you think you deserve to have those? I'm even hesitant. I don't think you deserve anything. I don't think I was to say, I don't but if there is something that you deserve, or that God has said you deserve, why do you think you should have those? I gave you a clue. Because God said so. I don't know. How do you know? Because how do I know that God said that? Yeah. Because it's in it's in the Bible. Where? Okay, yep, we used, it, we, we did talk about James? James, yes. I don't know. That you have liberty. Where else did we read? We've read it a lot of different places. Not it? all of it has related to was freedom. Was Deuteronomy one of them? Mm, if it was, that wasn't one. I don't think that's one that I had. Oh, okay. Well, at least you know James. Yeah. You know what chapter? Uh, three? No. Nope. Well, I don't. Maybe it's there again, but. It's something about. Is it just chapter one? It is chapter one. Okay. So, we are got, there will be more verses today, so we'll look at those. And how have we been exploring this topic? Through the foundations of America, sort of. Okay. What do you, why do you say sort of? Because it's like through the people, I don't know, like important people. Okay. That did things in different states for religious people. Okay. Who are they? Was, okay. Mallory. Name one. For any of them? here for any of it? Oh, okay. This is all Abby. Alright. John Winthrop, he's one of them. Okay. Yeah, Stephen liked it. Do him first. Okay. What's his deal? Okay, so he's like got the bishop with when? King John in 12 something. 12 something, right? Yes. Yes. And I think 1215. Yeah. And basically, didn't he make King John. This is like Robin Hood time. He made period. him sign the Magna Carta. Basically saying like that he can't make people do like he can't tell people what they can worship, right? Um, or some, something along those lines. I don't. Not know. religious freedom. What kind? Like, uh, just like freedom, just individual. Yeah. Individual freedom, okay. individual freedom sort of, right? Mm -hmm. What was the caveat? Mm -hmm. Do you know what that word means? 
Yeah, but I don't know. Is it like the catch? Like, what's the catch? It means like what's the um, it, it means like an additional thing that's added on. So in this case, there's an exception. I don't know. You have to be a landowner. Oh yeah. yeah Remember? Yeah. Okay. So then, who comes next? That oh. We talked about. I know no. we've talked about a lot now. So. Okay. I think you already said him. Oh, I did. Is it John? Yes, it is a John. Not John Winthrop? It is John Winthrop. And we jumped ahead in time. Nope. Where are we now? Because this was England, right? Are we in the 16s? Or are we not yet? Mm -hmm. Before, is, is this before America? This is... Like... What, where was he? Was he in America or was he not? He is in America, yes. Okay. I'm just... I think he is before Plymouth. But just before. They're like right around the same time. What was it like? I don't know. That was in like 1620, right? The Plymouth yep. thing? So is he in the 16s or is he before? No, thing? he is, yeah. I don't know. 16... I don't know the exact date. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Dates aren't that important. Okay. Well, he... Oh, what the heck? He was with Boston. Yeah. They was came on the, a ship. Was he the, um, the Massachusetts Bay guy? Yes. It? Yeah? Yeah. It's like the... Massachusetts Bay, and then it starts with a C, right? NBC or whatever? NBC? Something. <laughs> Massachusetts Bay Colony, or was that what it oh, was Oh, he might have been, yes. Yeah. I don't what, know what he did. What did he do? I don't remember. It's, a, it's similar, it's like this. Uh, it's like the Magna Carta. It's a di but we get the word from Carta. Charter, right? Oh. What was the charter? What is a charter? An agreement? Yes. Right. right. An agreement about... About... They did it before they even set foot on the land. It's an agreement of how they're going to operate their little settlement, their government, how it's going to be run. And their... Ide ideal was they were going to be a city on a hill. Yes. Okay. So, yeah. Okay. So, what does that mean? It means that they are going to be like a good example for everybody so everybody can see them and so they can know. And how do they form that good example? What do they use to be a good example. What's at the core? God. God, right? They're using biblical principles, right? They're using the Bible to be the shining example. Because this comes right out of, uh, I want to say Matthew. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That exact phrase. Okay. Then we have Ugh. living at the same time as him. Is it Roger? It is. Roger Williams. Roger Williams. What did he do? Jeez. 
I don't even know. <laughs> was he? Where was he? He was. He came over from England, and he was the head of a church, or they wanted him to be the head of church, the church there in Boston. Was he? Are we in the Puritans and the Separatists? Yep, we've been. Is he a Separatist? He is a Separatist. Explain to Mallory what Puritans and Separatists are. So basically, a Puritan is a person who thinks that they should try to purify or fix the church. And a Separatist is a person who thinks that it's like, whatever, they're like, it's too far gone. We should just leave and make our own church. Make our own new one. Good job. What does he do? I don't remember. I don't remember him. Indian. Oh, did he make? Did he? Do teach them? Or was that not him? That was the um, other guy. No, that was not the really. Guy. Yeah, I mean, he did share the gospel with them, but he did not teach them. Hmm. Lived with them a little bit. Was this? Was this the tree guy? No. Dang, this is not. He founded a really small place <sighs> that's still there. Levi said they have coffee syrup. Yes, Rhode Island. Rhode Island. All right, what's special about Rhode Island? I don't know. It's the first it's... time that this concept is used. Um, if he's a separatist, what do you think is a big issue for him? That we still think is an important issue in this country. And people argue about it all the time. Hasn't been in a while because it hasn't been a popular, there hasn't been any reason for it to be in the news lately. But is it separation of church and state? Yes, separation of church and state. What does that mean? Basically, like, isn't it just like what the what the state decides shouldn't have to do with like I don't know religion? Isn't it kind of like that? Kind of. Like not making your decisions based off of. Um. No. So this is what or is people it that the state argue can't about. Tell the church what to do. So the original concept is that the there is not an official church that is run by the state or funded by the state. Oh, okay. Okay. That you can that there are all totally detached from the state and operate on their own. They're not controlled by the state. Now, what people will argue about is that's not what they meant by separation of church and state when they wrote the Constitution. That what they meant was that religion should have no effect on the law. But it, it does because God made the law. Yes, but more importantly, because their argument is that that, that wasn't the spirit of the law when Wait, they so made it. Is their argument basically what I said before? Like, like you shouldn't decide what to do with, like, whatever? Yes, that is what the... But you... <laughs> but it's... So, 
you're talking about the root of it that you should your morals and where they come from are important right but what their argument is is that the constitution what they meant it to be just like with the second amendment where there's an argument of what it's interpreted as right yeah their argument isn't whether you should or shouldn't have a gun on a principle it's the main argument is what did the founding fathers mean when they wrote the second amendment they have the same argument with this they say what did they mean when they said separation of church and state but that's part of what we're showing you here is that it's pretty clear what they meant if you look at all the people in history that brought up to the founding fathers point if you look at what all of them believed they're all christians or at the very least they believe in a god and a morals that come from him okay all right who's that who else do we have is it william penn is he next Uh, yes william penn i remember more about that guy remember him as the hat guy, even though that's not all that he is. But he was a Quaker. Okay. A pacifist. Do you know what a Quaker is, Mallory? Have you ever heard of that? I feel like I've heard of it. Quaker Oats. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, is he the guy that's like... Um, I don't know if that's him, supposed to be that's him, like... but that's how they dressed. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So... <laughs> But he's more than, it's more than just about oats. <laughs> what is it about? Being a Quaker? What, what is a Quaker person? They're like, nonviolent. I think I said this before and I was kind that's of some, wrong. I mean, they but are that's pacifists, what, that's what I think of. but what, I mean, that's not like what they're defines like, them. Aren't they more like, like, they're like, What's like the number one thing that they conservative are? Conservative Christian people. Christians, right? Yeah. That that's the first thing that they would define themselves yeah. as. Okay. And then uh yes, they're very conservative in the sense of um in the sense of having rules. At the time they weren't super legalistic necessarily because they had a lot of different things that they did right what were they that other people had not done yet okay they wanted equality for women right they yep. wanted women to be able to own land right yep equality really for everyone right the indians too yeah, they yeah. were very um we said the pacifism um what about william else about William Penn, did he do? Pennsylvania, Sylvania is like what the woods, right? Yep. And so he didn't want it named that, but they, they gave it to him and they called it Pennsylvania. And then didn't he... So what does that make him? What does that tell you about his character? He's humble. Okay. And what does that set? We're going to introduce a word here that we haven't talked about yet. What did... What kind of a precedent does that set? Do you know what that word means? Do you know what that word means, Mallory? A precedent is like a... It's like a... 
I know, but I don't know. Like, I... okay, let's let's break down the word. What does pre mean? Before. Before. Like a like a standard. Okay. Mm-hmm. A s- standard for. What do you think his standard is for? What is he? Other than a Quaker, but in his community, he is a. Is he a follower? No. What is he? He's a leader. He's a leader. Okay, so what does that set a precedent for then? Other leaders leaders to be humble, right? To have humility. So if he had been somebody who came over and he was arrogant and was about getting all that he could out of his position, that would set a precedent to have other leaders say, well, that's just how we do it. So it's important... All these things that people are doing are setting precedents. Now, in the legal term, because you will hear it if you listen to the news about politics and stuff, they're always talking about, oh, he set a precedent with that, um, with that uh, executive order. He set a precedent by wearing a pink tie on Tuesdays in the White House or whatever it might be. Now... Does that mean it's a law that you have to do it every time? No. No. It's just saying that this might be something that we do every time now just because it's become a tradition. Can you think of, Mallory, can you think of anything that is a precedent here at our church? What's something, just think of, Anything that we always do. Like we always do, like with the Reasonable Church. Yeah, anything to do with the church. Like Friday night, like something like that. Okay, so right, it's a precedent that we always have Friday night kids night, unless it's not on the schedule, right? Your assumption is there's going to be Friday night kids night. Right. Now Sunday, you could almost go into that. That's a rule, but. Our church probably leans more towards like like the Roger Williams or the William Penn where we don't have a rule written down like that. There's no, it's not written down anywhere. It's just, it's more of like what we feel God has led us to do. Okay? So that's, precedents are important. And, but the good thing about them is that they can be changed when needed. All right. Got a few more people. Got two more. Okay. Sorry. I don't know if he's like next in line, but Eliezer Wheelock. Yes. What about him? Okay. Is he the guy? Did he do the school? Did he do, and it was like a co-ed school, right? Yep. And then, did he also do the Indian school? Yep. Like, for just Indians, he had a school? Or was that not? Uh, he tried to, but what happened in the end? He had a hard time raising oh, funds. They yeah, because they didn't want to... He didn't want to lie to them. And right. So, but, so they didn't want to fund it. So they ended up doing what? They founded a school called... It's a voice crying in the wilderness. Um, it's, 
Is it in New Jersey? Where is it? No, that's a different one. It's in. Uh, is it Cornell? Shoot. No, it's not. It's New not Hampshire. It's not Cornell. Is it Princeton? No, that's the other one. Is that in New Jersey? Uh, yeah, Dang pretty it. sure. Is it like Stony? Is it? Is it start with no. an S? No, that's in New York City. Mm. Starts with a D. Mm. <laughs> it's in my brain. You're gonna kick yourself, Dartmouth. <clears throat> okay. So he eventually, and that was for both Indians and settlers, white people, whatever. What did he? What else did he do? Because we talked about. I mentioned the voice crying in the wilderness. Okay. That he's like spreading Elijah, the gospel. Right? Elijah said. Did somebody? Who said that in the Bible? Who was the <clears> voice <throat> crying in the wilderness? Those are two different questions. So who first said the prophecy? Somebody in the Bible said, "I am the voice crying in the wilderness." Yes. That was not Elijah. No. The person who is the voice crying in the wilderness or said that they were, was John the Baptist. Oh. The person who first wrote that down as a prophecy, uh, no, I'm, I'm pretty sure Jeremiah. If it's not Jeremiah, it was Isaiah. I just don't remember from last week. Oh, I think it was Isaiah. I think you're right. Hold on, I got it written here. Somewhere. Oh, I didn't. Oh, I must have had a note sure, somewhere. Though, oh, well. You, said that. you can Google it. So, what did he... What? That principle, what was the principle that we talked about? It was the great... You guys have never heard of it. The great... Hang on. It was shocking. Until we looked at it and you were like, oh yeah, I think I remember that. It's the last thing Jesus told anybody before going to heaven. Uh, does it start with an R? Nope. The Great Commission. Commission. Which is? Which is? What are you supposed to do? What did Jesus tell you to do? Uh, spread the gospel. Spread the gospel. Okay, so he spreads the gospel to the Indians, but who did he start spreading the gospel to? His friends. The disciples. And, no, no, we Oh, lie. him. <laughs> yeah. I was like... I, was I mean, he did have disciples, kind of, um, but... Besides who? What'd you say? Well, you said to his friends, but he had a church, a local church, but then where did Indians, he... Indians, right? Before that, though, this is another, the great... There's two of them. You said you never learned about it in history class. Probably not, because it's got to do with God. Yeah. The Great Awakening, remember? Oh, and he's traveling yes. all over, preaching to hundreds of thousands... Well, sorry. Didn't he go to, like... Thousands of people. There were only 15,000 people in Boston like 50 or 60 years later after this. And he, they said that he preached to like, or not just him, but there were over like 30,000 converts in the New World. So, and Boston is the biggest city at the time. And it only has 15,000. It's a lot of people. So, he is, he definitely answered that call. Last person for review. And then we gotta uh, move on. Last week. Witherspoon? Or is that even on Yes. Yep. John Witherspoon. Okay. 
Man, all these English names. I know. Witherspoon, Willock, William, two Williams. Well, you got Helen. Well, <laughs> this people don't have to learn about me. What about John Witherspoon? I don't even know. <laughs> I don't remember. He went, he founded Princeton University. Okay, so that's not like incorrect with that being in my brain. Um, it was not, and um, that is in New Jersey, yeah. pretty sure. Yeah. What was his big thing? He's pretty similar to Wheelock. Teaching people. Yes, about God. And other things, right? He's not just, that's, he doesn't say that's the only part of education. But what kind of people is he teaching now? All kinds. Yeah, but like. <laughs> yeah, I think Princeton was only men at first. What kind of men? Why do we care about these men that he's teaching? I don't Why might you care about them? What's our series about? Free. Okay. Men that have to do with freedom in America. Fighting the revolution. No. Closer. Civil war. No. <laughs> Doesn't know. have to do with physically fighting, really. Uh, He's teaching people that end up being founding fathers. Oh, he taught like a bunch of them, right? Like, um, yeah. I, don't, I can't tell you any, but right. He taught, he taught a bunch of them. A bunch of them that ended yeah. up being famous guys. And what else did like he do? A famous thing. He signed the. He signed that one document that's really important. I hope you know. Do you know the most <laughs> the important? Constitution. The, uh, I don't the know if he signed that one. Yes, the Declaration of Independence. Okay, so that is a perfect segue into tonight. We are looking at two men, both born in America. And we are looking at two men here who have grown up in this new culture that is America. One of them is a, his great-great-grandfather came to America. That's how long his family's already been here. Wow. Right, that's a, that's a good <laughs> long time already. And... This new culture is often called the Great Experiment. Have you ever heard of that? No, because we don't want anything like, you know, like... Well, well, this is your chance. This is your chance. America is called, and its uh, type of government, a Republican democracy, is called... Sorry, I take that back. A Democratic Republic. Eh, either way is called the great experiment because we are the first to do it okay and there's no united states yet and it's not even the revolution yet but there are thoughts of it okay this is this is the spark that starts the fire is beginning to happen now and over the next few weeks that are left in this series, you are going to see the first fruits of John Winthrop 
and his teachings that are put out there. And even Wheelock, because he has, they all have to do with these colleges and universities that are started. They're teaching these things. And you're going to begin to see the fruits and how these men, that, the last few men that we're going to look at, think. Now, do you remember the stream? Sure. What's the stream? It's an analogy that we've used, a metaphor. Okay. It's okay. This is um, God's will. Maybe you weren't here for it. I don't It's been a while since I've brought it up, but Levi's used it before. And God's will is like a stream, okay? It's going somewhere. It's always moving forward. There's always movement in it. And tell me... Um, because it really is applicable to these people we've talked about. Tell me the history of the Catholic Church in relation to following God and not following God. Oh, how did they start? I'll pay attention to Catholics. It's part part of history. What? They're they do. More like, They're more litigious, yeah. is what that's called. Yeah. How did they start? When did they start? I don't know. Catholicism? I don't know. It didn't start in America, did it? No. Nope. started in, like, England, right? No. Nope. France? Open your Bible to Romans. Romans? Who wrote the Book of Romans? Uh, Paul. Okay. Do you know where Rome is? No one knows where Rome is? Italy. It's in Italy. Do you know where Italy is? Oh, I knew. Yes. Okay, so Paul writes a letter to the Romans. There's Christians in Rome. Eventually, the Catholic Church, this certain organization of the churches there, is called the Roman Catholic Church. I've heard of that. I'm just using this one as an example. It could be all sorts of things. So, they start off here. Tell me more about what things have they done that might not be in God's will? Uh, like anything the Romans do? Like anything the Romans have done? Or no. like the Roman Catholic, just what? For, drop the Roman, just think of that as a location of where it started, okay? okay? Martin Luther, do you know who he is? Yeah, the guy who wrote the five pieces. 95. 95? Yes. I don't know, that guy. What was he, why did he write that? Uh, didn't he, and he like nailed it on the doors. Wasn't it like, I don't, I don't remember what they even are. I don't remember. <laughs> well, he broke, He nailed it on a Roman Catholic church's door. Was it like telling them what they should do? Yeah. Like, you're not doing this right, do it this way? So one of the things they were doing was they said you have to buy what's called an indulgence to forgive you of your sins. Uh, 
good. Yeah, that's probably not good. <laughs> that's like over here. Alright, so they go, and Martin Luther wanted to fix the Roman Catholic Church, but what happened instead was the Lutherans came along. He didn't want it, he wanted to fix the Catholic Church, really, mm -hmm. but other people followed what he believed and called themselves Lutherans. And then the Catholics just Well, I'd even say they go like this. Depends on where you are. I agree. There are some awesome Catholics out there. Okay. So then the Lutherans, they kind of do this. That we get, well, we also get out of the, we get Anglicans. I've heard of them. They're like this time period over here. But what did they do that made these guys... That's how we get Puritans and Separatists. The, the Anglicans came out, and then the Puritans and Separatists say, no, 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 we want to come back in. And there. So it's always a readjustment to God's, God's um, plan and his, the direction that he wants you to go in. So... <clears throat> If you are not in the stream, you'll dry up and die. Because what do you need to live? God. In our metaphor, water. The stream. Water, you gotta water. have water, right? Okay, so the founding fathers are ones who are trying to get back into the stream to say this is what we're going to try to do. And tonight we are going to focus on uh, two people you might know. So name for me all the founding fathers you know. Mallory. Founding fathers of the United States. Revolutionary War. Who's the first president? George Washington. George Washington, alright. Who else do you know? Uh, ben Franklin. Okay. James Madison. Okay. Thomas Edison. No, not Thomas Jefferson. Thomas Jefferson. Sorry. <laughs> Thomas Edison is an American, but he's much later and okay. he is an inventor. Okay. She did say that, but John yes, that's one. Hancock. Yep. I don't know, probably lots of guys named John. There are. John White, John Smith. Uh, <laughs> I don't I'm know. Not, I, there might be a White, but I I'm not sure. I can guarantee you, there, there's got, come on, there's got to be a John White out there somewhere. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so we're talking about two of them tonight. Is, uh, is that Hamilton guy, is he on there? Uh, Alexander Hamilton? Yeah. He is one of them. Um... Well, we're talking about two tonight. You got one of them. Thomas Jefferson. This other one is not a popular one. Unless is this you're the Monticello history. guy? Do you know what I'm talking yes. about? Yes. Okay. I do. Okay. I've been there. <gasps> I want to 
Is it in Vermont? Is it in Vermont? It's in Virginia. Virginia. So how about this? Do you know? How's that for a hint? <laughs> okay. Every white guy in history ever. John Adams. Oh yes, I ever heard hear him. of him? Yes. Okay. You didn't name him though. See why he's not really a popular one that nobody but says. He's in my brain though. He's my favorite. There's not very many people who say that. Wait, or like the. But I think you might like him better after we talk about him tonight. I probably didn't even learn like the best yeah. stuff about him. Because I've, I've definitely heard him in like social studies, but there's definitely right. things that they just didn't. Right. Well, he has, he has a big family. There's also Samuel Adams, mm -hmm. who's his brother, Sam Adams. Okay. There's a drink. Okay. After I was him. like, my. And that's yep. what I thought, but I didn't want to say that because I was like, wow. Oh, no, you're right. Beer and Bible study. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, but, okay. Just a sidebar. Up until, like, the last 150 years, everybody drank beer or wine or mead because you knew that it didn't have, um, like, stuff in it that would make you sick. Because stuff can't live in alcohol. Because you didn't know about water if you could if it was safe or not, unless you got it like right from a stream or from a well. So that was like a lot of times a guaranteed safe thing to drink. Just some perspective. Just a note. Okay. So he also has a son. James Quincy Adams, you heard that yes. before? Okay, so there are a lot of Adams and they're very, that family was very important. Okay, so um, these two men's here, their lives are like super intertwined. It's kind of crazy, these two guys. <clears throat> and they have a lot of similarities, but they also have a lot of differences and there are times where they are friends. There are times where they are uh, maybe political adversaries. There are times where they don't talk to each other. And there are times where they're friends again. And they are, their lives are so intertwined that they both die on the same day. Are you serious? And they're not in the same place at all. They're totally different Whoa. states. They both... And here's the crazier thing. They dry in 1726, 50 years after the Declaration of Independence, to the day, July 4th, is when they both die. Kind of weird. Like, that's, that's almost like, that, like, like... Abraham Lincoln, JFK type stuff. Yeah, it's like that's weird, crazy. right? Yeah. <clears throat> okay, it's just a strange thing... There are no conspiracy theories surrounding it other than, like, I don't know, fate. That's probably, the, there's nothing like that. They both died of old age and just a weird thing. So, we're going to jump back and forth in talking about them because, because their lives are so similar and for comparison's sake and because they do things at the same time. So, Jefferson was born in 1713 in Virginia. And he grew up on a farm. He spent a lot of time outside in nature. And he loved agriculture. He loved learning about how to grow things, about 
developing new um, varieties of things. He may be, now I know he's the father of like a whole bunch of different things in America. I'm pretty sure he might be the father of botany in America. Like the American father of botany, which is like um, plant botanical things. Don't quote me on that, but he is like, he's the father of a whole bunch of things because he is truly what you would have called, would call a renaissance man. Do you know what that means? Like new, right? It's like all new stuff. Like, yes, it is. It can be. <laughs> Art? Yes. And like. So usually culture. it means, yes. So it means you do a lot of different things. Yeah. So he was into farming. He was into art. He was a land surveyor, he was a lawyer, he was a writer, he was a linguist. So it means you do all these things, a whole bunch of different things, like Leonardo da Vinci. Everybody know who he is? Yeah. So he is a truly a Renaissance man because he lived in the Renaissance. But he also was an engineer, he was a, like, um, kind of a doctor. I mean, he, like, dissected things and... Yeah, Ed, but he was an amazing artist. He was, I don't know if he was a writer, but he did all things across a broad spectrum of um, like fields. So that was Jefferson. And he, um, at the end of his schooling, he knew a bunch of languages and throughout his life, he kept working on those languages. And in the end, he knew seven languages to include French, Greek, and Hebrew. Greek, and obviously English. Where did he learn Hebrew? There were a lot of people teaching Hebrew like at the schools and stuff. <laughs> it was common because people were interested in the Bible oh, at that yeah. time and they wanted to yeah. read it from the original themselves. So um, when Jefferson's parents die, he inherits both of their farms, um, which really are plantations. And one of those ends up becoming Monticello. And it's not Monticello, it's Monticello. Well, yeah. Well, there are other things in Italian, it's an Italian name, where it is C-E-L-L-O is cello and not cello. But he specifically, there are letters, many letters of other people that are phonetically spell how to say it. So we know it's cello. Um, <clears throat> and if you ever go to Virginia, if you do like the DC thing, it is worth going to his estate plantation because it's only like an hour away from DC and it's honestly more interesting than DC. DC has some cool monuments. I mean, yeah, it's I cool to go to the Smithsonian and stuff, but if you're looking for real history of what it was like to live in that time, this is one of the good places to go. And he was just one of those interesting persons. He had a bed where he slept, where it was kind of like a narrow thing with walls. And then you could open up the walls on either side. And each room was like for a different thing. Like one was for writing and the other one, I can't remember what it was for. But he could just roll out of bed and start doing whatever. Like he had all these different ideas. So... That's part of what made him um, who he was and the influence he was. So, he was also said to be an excellent host. Where he would have 
not necessarily big parties, but he would invite a few people over or have one guest and people loved to talk with him. They said that he um, was easy and calm and anybody could talk with him. He always had an even temper all the whole time. Now, John Adams, he also grows up as a farmer as well. But he grows up in Massachusetts, which naturally is different from Virginia. So they can think of it even today, the South versus the North, the differences in culture. And he grows up in a Puritan family. So we've talked about that. You can kind of picture what more what that might be like. And <clears throat> the difference is with his um, experience growing up is he does not live on a plantation. This is a family farm where if there are other workers, they are hired people. They are not slaves. So John Adams loves farming. Um, and oh, part of that is Massachusetts is the first colony to abolish slavery. Like very early on, they it's illegal. It's unique. So the Adams family did all the work and they are known at that through in that time and lots of records where people say they are extremely hard workers. They're known as being hard workers like getting up at five, working all day. They saddled their own horse, they plowed their own uh, fields. They did they weren't uh, like an aristocrat or something like that where Jefferson leans more towards that, where he has people doing the work for him. Um, <clears throat> John's, Adams' father encouraged him, though, to, do, to go to school because he did not, he wanted to just be a farmer. And he ends up doing really well. He goes to Harvard and he ends up getting a law degree and practicing law. And <clears throat> he was not like Jefferson, though, when it came with interacting with people. He said himself, this is one of his quotes from a letter, he said, I converse with few people, or I am un unable to converse with many people in this world. <laughs> Meaning I'm not very good at talking with people. I don't like to talk with very many people. But he was a really good speaker and he was known for speaking his mind. He would just tell, he was very passionate. Whereas Jefferson was very good at individual meeting with people, like uh, say, walking around a party, talking to people, everybody liked him. But Jefferson was actually terrible at giving speeches. He would, in between his sentences, he would like mumble under his breath. He was just not good at speaking in public so bad that when he does become president, he's the only president to not give an inaugural speech. He was like, I'm not doing that pretty much. Okay. So these guys are very opposite in some ways. <clears throat> in other ways, they share similarities. Now, Jefferson, even though he's bad at public speaking, he is an excellent and extraordinary writer. He had superlative command of the English written language. Part of that is when you understand, because English is derived from French, Italian, German, Latin. All of them play into English 
And when he knows all of those, he didn't know Latin, know all those, he makes him a better writer in English, better to understand it. He even invented, um, well, he would devote an hour every day to writing letters to people. Remember, there's no email, there's no phones, there's no telegraphs. The only way is to get a letter to someone is having someone take it on horseback. There's no postal service or anything like that. But he would write letters every day, and he would even had a log where he kept track of, on this day, I wrote a letter to so-and-so. Like, he had kept track of where they went and when he received them. He's very into this. He even invented a thing called a polygraph, which is like a pantograph, where there's like a rod that connects two pens. So they're connected together. So he's writing with one hand and the other pen is also moving. So he'd write an A, go like that. So he could write one letter, focus on that, and it would make a duplicate at the same time. Interesting. Because saved him time, right? He didn't have to write two if he had to write the same thing to two different people. He could just write one and then send them both out. So he's kind of an inventor with things like that. John Adams, not that. He's a very man of, they said he was a man of substance. That he is very practical. He is down to earth. Not, he's not inventing things. He's not head in the clouds. Not that Jefferson totally is, but Jefferson is more of a um, progressive type guy. So, John Adams and Jefferson do share this one other thing that's very important. They both share a love of books and reading. Very important. Just listen. It's important to want to keep learning even when you're done with school. I know we don't do all books all the time, but there are other ways to learn. And it's important to keep doing that. <clears throat> they both had their own private libraries. Jefferson had a library near the end of his life where he had 6,500 books. Well, probably more than that, but 6,500 books he took and he sold to the U.S. government after the Library of Congress burnt to replenish it. 6,500 books. And this is in... A time where there's not, I mean, there is kind of a mass production of books, but not like it is today. Okay, that, is, that was a lot. And most importantly, though, with these men is that they both held the Bible in very high esteem. They held it as a very important book to understand. And Jefferson actually had a scrapbook um, where he had taken multiple versions of the Bible and he had cut out things that he liked out of it and had pasted them in this book, cut them out with a razor blade and pasted them in the book, and he would read that every night before bed. Adams said um, in a letter to someone, 
once he said, the Ten Commandments and the Sermon on the Mount contain my religion. To him, that was what he ordered and operated his life through, was the Ten Commandments and the Sermon on the Mount. That's those two chapters in Matthew where Jesus has one, what's considered the best sermon ever, talking about the Beatitudes. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit. Blessed are the, those who are persecuted. All these other things. And that was very, very wise of Adams to say that and to order his life that way. So, lifelong learning, very important to Adams. But also remember, they were. This was an important thing to Jefferson and Wheelock. That's where they get that from. It, like we've said, it's very small steps. Each person that's making these steps that affect people on down the road. If all these um, Christian men hadn't come and founded these schools, we certainly would not have the type of men that Jefferson and Adams are, and who they become. So, this concept um, of the ability to read whatever you want, the ability for freedom of religion springs out of what was an intellectual bondage from a state church, the Anglican church, or the Catholic church, that is telling you what to think telling you you can't have your own Bible, telling you you have to know Latin to be able to understand it, um, telling you that these certain books are banned, you're not allowed to read them, They're, we burn them all. So this is when these people live, it's called the Enlightenment Age. Have you ever heard of that? Yeah? Have you done world history yet, Mallory? You, all right, you will hear about the Enlightenment Age. And when you do in school, or if you already have, you should listen and see if they mention anything about the Christians and their influence on it. Probably won't hear a lot but, about it, but they are the ones who sparked this. And... Um, they will downplay Sir, Fan Sir Francis Bacon, Isaac Newton, and their belief in God. They'll say, ah, they didn't really believe in God. But if you look at what they said, it's pretty evident that they believed in a God that is in charge of the universe, that created the universe. And um, you won't see them highlighting the Christian roots in the American Revolution that in this American Revolution, have you heard of the French Revolution? Okay, American Revolution comes first. And the French Revolution starts very closely afterwards. But the French Revolution is, is very godless. They come at it with an atheist perspective and it, in the end, it really is a disaster. It takes them 
tens of years to fix things. And it's very bloody. You know, the guillotine. It's like the head chopper. You put the, the head in there. And, and the blade. Alright, everybody knows you that. Like, you can like still see for like seven seconds. Yeah, that's what they say. The French invented that. And that's how they dealt with trying to make a change for how they were governed. Adams and Jefferson both served as ambassadors to France before and during the French Revolution and in the leading up to it. Both of these men, Adams and Jefferson, both become presidents, second and third president. They both are vice presidents, first and second vice president. More similarities to them. And God really used them in great ways to bless our country. Um, and it shows... It's such a stark contrast, the difference of how America was formed into a democracy versus how France was formed. And I know in a lot of ways it's comparing apples to oranges. But the one thing that makes us an apple and them an orange or whatever, one of the major things is having God at the center of it. And Adam's... At the beginnings of when there are just the rumblings, the undertones of a revolution in America, he writes an essay on freedom and how freedom is inherent. That means it can't be separated um, from human life. That if you are alive, you have freedom. Or you should have freedom. And he puts that... He write, puts that essay into a newspaper anonymously in Boston. Doesn't, that means his name's not on it. It just says, by anonymous. And he puts it in there in 1765. So we're getting close, right, to 1776. And later he puts another one in the newspaper this time. Because the first time he wasn't sure. He said, I have a really successful lawyer business and I am the number one lawyer in Boston. I'm not sure about if I want to put my name online and when saying these things that are treason against England. And so he writes another essay then. This time he puts his name on it after talking with his wife, Abigail. If you want to learn about the original American feminist or just a lady who is amazing, look up about Abigail Adams. I wish we had time to talk about her, but we do not. But she is a big reason why John Adams is who he is. And with her um, uh, approval, he puts his name on it. And this one, this time, sets the groundwork for how the Americans are going to express the freedom that they desire. And this is one of the things that he says in it. He says, I say rights in capital letters. For such they have undoubtedly ascendant 
to all earthly government. Rights that cannot be, or sorry, that cannot be repealed or restrained by human laws. Rights derived from the great legislator of the universe. Who do you think the great legislator of the universe is? God. God. He says that we have these rights directly from God. I want you to turn to Matthew 22, verse 35 uh, to 40. There's a scribe that comes here to Jesus. Um, what did I say? 35 to 40. Matthew 22 what? 35 through 40. Don't you just go back and forth with them? Yeah, okay. that's fine. Um, so this is a... A lawyer that comes to Jesus to ask him um, about the commandments. Then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him and saying, Master, which is the great commandment, command, commandment of the law, or in the law? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments, Hang all the law and the prophets. Okay. So you've heard this before, right? I think we've even talked about it in the series. How do you think that relates to what John Adams wrote? Wow. He's writing about rights that can't be constrained by the government. Rights that are given by God. This is a little bit to think about. Jesus is telling you here the two laws that are the foundation for every other action or every other way that you should live your life. Jesus says that you are to love God with all your heart, with all your soul and all your mind, and that you are to love your neighbor as yourself. How do you treat yourself? How do you treat yourself, Mallory? Do you treat yourself badly? No. Do you treat yourself half as good as everybody else? How do you treat yourself? Pretty well, I guess. Or you hope to, right? Yeah. Okay. What do you think that has to do with rights? Mm. If you're supposed to treat everybody else as good as you or better than you treat yourself. What kind of rights do you want? Well, yeah, you probably want to be respected. What kind of do you want? The freedom to say whatever you want? Yeah. What do you think kind of freedom everyone else should have then? Say whatever they want. Yeah, that sounds right, right? Yeah. So you shouldn't be biased by, like, like if you want something but you don't want other people to have it. Yeah, you should treat everybody else the same, right? Yeah. I think, I think Adams knew his Bible pretty well. So, 
Adams translates the principles and morals that he derives from the Bible in how a society should be governed with that basis that he said, well, I'm not going to tell you what God to love. That's your choice. But you all should have the same rights. I'm not going to keep certain rights away from you when I want to have the same, these great rights for myself. And he lays it out pretty good. But when Congress is formed and Jefferson, um, and they're all in there in a hot room in July and August, and they're all in there and they're shouting all these ideas that they have that they've been thinking about and how a government should be. Jefferson, he takes these and puts them down with a flourish. He puts them down, writes them in a way that no one else could have written them. He takes them and makes them, these ideas, polished and just sharp as a sword. And then we get stuff like this in the Declaration of Independence. It says, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, and that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. Probably one of the most famous things ever written, right? And how much closer to God's stream is that concept than what they were living with under the English rule? Yeah, quite a bit closer, right? Now, I would be remiss if I did not tell you a warning when looking at these two men. Because these guys are not perfect. Well, yeah, I mean, Thomas Jefferson had slaves, so. Okay, that's, that's an obvious one. You know, any other allegations? I know there are some because I've heard about them, but I don't know what they are. Okay, that's fine. You don't need to. I mean, you can, you can find them out pretty quick if you Google Jefferson. But um, let's turn to Romans, last one for tonight. Romans chapter 2, verse 19 through 24. Romans is after the Gospels and after Acts, before Philippians. Yep, you're real close. Before, yep, there you go. Chapter Chapter 2, verse 19 through 24. And art confident that thyself art a guide of the blind, a light of them which are in darkness. And instruct of the foolish, a teacher of... Oh, I'm sorry. This is supposed to be chapter one. I was... Oh. Chapter one, sorry. 19 through... Yes, I'm sorry. Okay. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shewed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen 
being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power in Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because that, when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. This is the important verse. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. And changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man, and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness cleanness, through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. Okay. So, um, this, these verses here, Paul is talking about that there is no excuse to not knowing about God. That there, you can see it in nature, you can see it in the way that the world is, in human nature, and uh, that you are given a conscience, all these things. But he says, in the end, there are people that professing themselves to be wise, they become fools. And there are, there's a whole spectrum along that where you can be. And I bring this up um, because Jefferson, he believed that, um, I don't know where he started, but in his later writings, he believed that Jesus was just a great moral teacher. He did not believe in miracles and he did not believe in the Trinity. And I don't think that takes too much explanation to tell you where he stands. He, if you don't believe that Jesus is the Son of God, you don't believe that he died for your sins, then that kind of leaves you standing on the outside. And I say this not because I think that that means that you should throw out everything that Jefferson ever did or everything that he was. And there's other things they did that were bad too um, because everyone has mistakes that they make or errors or victim of the times. But I bring that up to tell you to be careful, to be vigilant, because great morals aren't enough. That's not enough. And you can see that today. We have a structure that's given us that our um, founding fathers derived from the Bible. But if the people who operate within the structure, that operate within that, under that government, who run the government, don't believe in the man, the man Jesus, who made the moral structure, then it's hollow. As no heart, as no foundation. This series um, is shows that it's not by great leaps that these things were accomplished, but that it's by everyday actions, by words, by decisions, little ones that a society is shaped, um, that a church is shaped that your township is shaped, that your state is shaped. You have an influence in it. The things that 
helped these men become who they were were the things that they did every day. Was when they decided to pray, when they decided to study their Bible. Those are the things that affected how they lived their lives and the things that they did that now people say were great. It starts with little stuff and it starts with having God at the center of your life. So just remember that and we will look at a few more people next week. Thank you.